Resident Welcome to Residential Tech Talks. I'm Jeremy Glowacki, Executive Editor of Residential Tech Today. On this week's podcast, Bill Lehman joins us from Indianapolis, where he is co-owner and president of the home tech integration firm, Millennium Sounds. Bill and I have known each other for a few years now, ever since his company was asked by Control 4 to install my housewide network and integrated audio video system. Although I try to suck up to Bill and his co-owner, Matt Reeve, as much as possible with extra editorial coverage after all the great work that his team has done in my house, that's not why I had him on the uh, having him on the podcast today. What I really want to talk about is this cool new venture involving the Indy 500 racing champion, Tony Kanaan, and his custom-built racing simulators. I had the chance to attend a Millennium-hosted fundraiser at the company's new Motor District Garage condo a few days ago, where I, I totally embarrassed myself on the racing sim while Tony Kanaan looked over my shoulder. It was devastating. Despite my horrible virtual driving, however, the event and the event location and the technology itself was just too cool not to share on the podcast. It was easy finding time on Bill's busy schedule, but I'm happy that he's here to talk about all the new stuff and uh, get caught up. So Bill Lehman, thanks so much for joining us today. I really, really appreciate it. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. I'm excited to talk about the uh, event and the Tony Kanaan Sims. Yeah, it was a it was a great fundraiser. Um, rainy day, but inside it was it was a really nice space, and we uh, I got to see this facility that I'd been reading about on your LinkedIn post, and I wasn't sure what a motor district garage condo really was going to be until I got there. Um, it's in Westfield, Indiana, which your your company, your headquarters, or your showroom is based in Indianapolis, but this is just a little north of Indianapolis. Um, and I just thought maybe if you could help describe the concept of the Motor District Garage Condo, what those, what that space is, and what what the kind of pitch was when you guys got involved with that. So a couple years ago, we were at a customer's house doing work, and. Um, he had mentioned that uh, he was going to build this motor district garage and kind of talked about it. Um, I'm a car guy at heart, so I love talking cars. So we were talking cars and um, he mentioned he was going to build these car condos and it was based off of uh, uh, car condos in Minnesota. And so we kind of talked about that, looked them up, was really interested. And uh, one of the things I liked about it was you know, you can have a cool garage at home, but you're kind of by yourself, right? So that's that's not that fun all the time. And if you can go around like-minded people, it kind of makes the experience more fun. You know, talk to other people about their cars, check them out, uh, see their space and how they finished it out, get lots of cool ideas, and just kind of uh, community-based uh, garages. Yeah, and, and just to, to get the visual right for people who can't quite place what we're talking about. This is not just like a little storage shed. This is a two, two level, um, sort of split level space with a giant garage door on it. So you could put a lot of, a lot of stuff in there. And, uh, in fact, it's, it's kind of more than just one space. You've got a couple of spaces there, right? That side by side kind of scenario. Um, do you have two, two, or is that one, one big space that I was in? We have uh, the space next door is unfinished. And so uh, our space is about a thousand square feet on the main floor and 500 square feet upstairs. 
and most of the people are having a bathroom or two kitchens. Um, we have two full bathrooms, a kitchen, a uh, shower upstairs. You can't live here, but obviously if you spent the night and you wanted to take a shower in the morning, you could. Um, and then the way we buy this space is it's drywalled and uh, rough plumb for a, a bathroom downstairs. And so you buy it kind of raw and then you come in and finish it the way you want. So you could see some that are just basic drywall and concrete floors. And then in our unit, you know, we did the bathrooms, the kitchen, epoxied the floors, uh, put hardwood floors upstairs and uh, obviously finished all the drywall, painted the sprinkler systems and tried to make it as kind of as nice as we could. So it's, yeah. Some parts of it, I said, are nicer than my house. <laughs> well, and and you you you've left out an important thing. I think I, I might have missed it. With the there's AV in there. There's uh, there's audio and video technology, and you guys are essentially the, the the integrator of of choice there in the development. If folks want to put that in, right? Yeah. So one of our obviously one of our thoughts in building this garage was to try to. Um, get business from the people finishing their garages and then also on site. So we're going to put in uh, four cameras on each building, run fiber optic cable from building to building and have a connected network throughout the property. And so um, it's going to be pretty cool as far as, you know, we're going to have security everywhere. All the um, units can access that camera system. So it's pretty neat. Uh, and then obviously in the unit, we have speakers, TVs, um, cameras, sound system, and obviously try to show that to potential clients. Yeah. And, and the thing that I didn't uh, really kind of grasp until I was there was that uh, the spaces are being used for more than just storing cars or hanging out. They're, they're ap absolute opportunities for party spaces and fundraisers like what you guys did there. So um, what... Besides what you did there, have you seen anything unique so far? Or is it mostly just been people kind of getting moved in and settled in at this point because it's still being built? So there's been several events here so far. Um, Bentley of Indianapolis brought in some cars and they did um, a night event. Uh, there's been a couple of McLarens one night that they had. That was a couple of uh, garage owners brought those. And then uh, I think it was two weeks ago, they had uh, a Ford GT from each era. So like a 65, a 2005, and then a, a new model Ford GT, which is really cool. And then uh, I think uh, in two weeks, they're going to have cars and coffee here too. So uh, lots of events, you know, it's kind of a community space where, people can get together and just have fun, relax and, you know, check out cool cars or even, you know, people could have a wine collection here or any type of collection they want. So it's not just cars. I think most people, you know, that's kind of their passion is cars, but any collection or just people wanting to hang out with like-minded people, it's pretty cool. Yeah. And, and just to, to not leave out some, some of the important stuff, you were able to raise uh, almost, $10,000 for the Firefly Children and Family Alliance during this um, fundraiser. But um, the cool hook here, besides just doing something good for a family service organization, 
is that you connected with one of your really cool clients who I have had the honor of doing a little commercial video production thing when I was in between jobs with um, with him and you guys, which I appreciated that little sort of gig there, temporary gig while I was getting through my job transition. But Tony Kanan, Indy 500 champion, um, you've, you've worked in his, his home and you've done some other projects with him. And I kept, I followed this thing on uh, LinkedIn that you started a little video um, piece with him where you're going to redo one of his um, basement rooms in his beautiful house um, that I believe was just a storage space. And he's turning it into his racing simulator um, room, which has special requirements for HVAC because it gets really hot when when the sim's running and you're in a basement in Indiana, so you've got moisture issues to contend with. So dehumidifiers and plus just the network that you need for that thing. Um, and Tony, besides being a physical race driver, actually going to Brazil and racing and in the Indy 500 still has this sim kind of racing thing going on as well. Um, how did you guys, I know your love of cars probably came into it, but how do you guys get involved with him and this sim kind of concept that he's got going? And like, it's his own really customized version of an existing sim. Is that what it is? Yeah. So, um, when Tony moved to Indianapolis four or five years ago, uh, he contacted us to, uh, put control four in his new home. And I mean, we did automation of everything. So lights, thermostats, um, garage doors, motion lights, uh, lots of cameras, obviously. And so we started working with him about four or five years ago. And then as time went on, obviously we kept working with him and he want, wanted to add more and more things. And then, you know, common maintenance on the systems. And so we had talked about uh, racing simulators, you know, after COVID hit, obviously they were doing a ton. The drivers were doing a lot of sim driving. And so he talked about building his own sim. And so we decided that we'd love to sell that with uh, shipping and things. Some of that got delayed. So we've been talking about this for probably a year, year and a half. Um, But now it came to fruition. So he has his own uh, frame, racing seats, steering wheel, and then he is, uh, one of his sponsors is Micro Center. And so Micro Center will put the PCs together and uh, so we can get a complete package. And then with Tony, he also uh, will set those up and then we can offer that service to come to your house or business if you buy a simulator and work with him on setting it up, teaching you how to use it. And I mean, it's so critical. I didn't realize how much how involved you have to be and how much you have to know about setting a simulator up. Um, it's, it's similar to a race car. There's so many, uh, buttons to check and things to dial in and adjust. It's crazy. Um, so we're learning a lot and, uh, excited to have him on board to be able to help us give people an awesome experience. Uh, the simulators are amazing. It's, it's, crazy how realistic they feel. I, I think you can attest to that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not good with the virtual racing. I, I even, <laughs> even something like uh, a Wii uh, setup. Uh, I, I, my kids always smoke me because I just have a really bad time of the dimensionality of it. But I think what his 
his was the most realistic experience with the vibrations on the turns when you get to the rumble strips and um and just the 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 sensation on the wheel fighting you on turns and um and then uh i would say that i just had a hard time on that uh sort of grand prix type of track where you have these really tight hairpin type type of backup turns that you have to shift down and break a little bit it's like i don't I thought you weren't supposed to break on a racetrack, so I didn't know how. That, <laughs> I'm used to the oval, um, but but then watching him race and and understanding how he really does and uses the track was really cool. Um, I I I actually flipped the car. I couldn't believe, literally, like obviously I didn't flip over, but the virtual car flipped. I'm like, God, like that's bad driving. <laughs> but it, it, I I was talking to your partner Matt, and he was saying that. Uh, when when he initially started working with the sim, it was really the seat was really um, built like a race truck race car seat where it was very tight because you wanted to fit very like form fitting around you, and that one of the kind of tweaks that was made there to make this a sellable product is to to make the seat more like consumer friendly because there are going to be all different sized people getting in these seats, um, and you don't need to make them all custom. So. Um, what that was kind of you had a back and forth with him and helping with that final design a little bit yeah so we built um we built a sim with tony and it was uh, a different brand and uh we used like a sparco racing seat and did some things like that and then it was also a full motion so it would move and one of the things that we wanted to do was be able to sell it to uh commercial clients and so if there's a, an apartment complex and they want to put a racing sim in there, we're already doing golf simulators and things like that. So we thought the racing sim would be really cool. Um, and one of the things we learned is we built this other sim that's it's really cool. Um, there was two issues. One was you're kind of stepping into oh, yeah. up and into um, the simulator, which is kind of, uh, I don't know if I'd say dangerous, but it's, it's kind of hard. And then the racing seat was an actual racing seat. So if you had anybody that wasn't small, it's really hard to get in and out of. Uh, so that was one of our things that we wanted to do when we built this was make it accessible for everybody. And then something else is the full motion, uh, kind of gives you motion sickness. Oh. And so, you know, we don't want people to get sick. Uh, even on these, you know, you can feel a little motion. Uh, and so for the general public, we want to make it as, you know, user friendly as possible and not be like this hard to get into, you know, difficult to navigate uh, and then get sick simulator. So good. the uh, Tony Kanan model is much better. <laughs> good, good judgment on that one. I, I have to I have to say that I think it, it, I don't know if it was like the uh, the anxiety of being watched by a professional driver that made me a little like queasy or the actual of it, the experience of it. But there, there's definitely some some visual kind of cues that feel realistic there. Um, it was interesting. I, I wasn't the one that asked Tony the question after he got done racing, but someone said, hey, how, how much does that really mimic what you experience on an actual track and he said well you don't get the g-forces and i'm like 
Oh yeah, G forces. <laughs> like that's another le- level, isn't it? <laughs> We're not there in the sim, but it's a pretty realistic experience. And and you get the toggle um, shifters on the on the handle on the uh, steering wheel. Yeah, the paddle shifters. Paddle shifters. There you go. That's the yeah. That's the t- terminology. Um, <clears throat> but uh, I thought it was a lot of fun, and I felt like. I could get definitely get better at it if I didn't have an audience watching me while I was driving. I could uh, put around for a while until I got comfortable. And uh, you had two there on display, so it's it's proof that you've made more than one, which is good to see. It's not vaporware. Um, have you, you you've got a commercial space? I, Matt was saying that's already ready to buy one, or you've got some potential sales there already. Yeah, we have a couple commercial clients that we've already done golf simulators for, and they're looking to add uh, race simulators. So we literally, it was kind of a rush to get the garage done, get the simulators dialed in and built. And so the last few weeks, it's been a little bit of a scramble. And so now we, uh, it's time to get people in and let them experience the simulators. Well, and hopefully sell some. Well, hopefully you do. Yeah. And, uh, I want to continue our conversation, Bill, uh, but let's take a short break first. Do you want superior smart home automation at a great value? Shelly Wi-Fi relays by Ultraco Robotics cover DC to line voltage, allowing you to control lights, outlets, appliances, garage doors, pumps, and much more. There are Shelly sensors and power measurement devices to help you measure temperature, humidity, lux, or motion, and electrical consumption from single wire to three phase with neutral. You can use Shelly with a licensed driver for Control 4, Elon, or other premium systems, as well as your customer's existing hub, voice assistant, or any platform that accepts REST, MQTT, or CoAP. Shelly can make IoT very easy. Available now at Blackwire, City Electric Supply, and Worthington, or at ShellyUSA.com. Welcome back. We're talking with Bill Lamon. Uh, president of Millennium Sounds in Indianapolis. And Bill and I were talking about racing simulators, but I also, as I like to do on the podcast, I like to kind of get into the background of the person I'm talking to. And as much as Bill and I have worked together on my house and other projects, um, I don't know if I really know your background so much and how you got into this business. So I wanted to go way back first. What were you like as a kid? Were you a techie kind of kid? Did you like uh, taking stuff apart or doing anything or or did you kind of get into this thing as a business person? So when I was young, I liked to take things apart. I wasn't really good at getting them put back together <laughs> perfectly, but I like to take them apart. Um, and then when I uh, got a car, I was really into car audio. And so that kind of sparked my interest of, you know, speakers and audio and things like that. Um, so that's, that's where the start was. And then did you ended up going uh, into uh, trade school, tech school? Um, is that correct? Or so I went to Ivy Tech. Um, so really wasn't any tech learning. Um, and then I worked for another company uh, for I think four or five years before I started Millennium Sounds. And so I obviously got a lot of experience there. And then uh, Matt was getting out of college, and I conned him into uh starting a business with me and and so when we first started we did a lot of car audio we did home audio but majority of our work was car audio and so obviously over the years that's changed and then it's into automation and then commercial um so yeah 
But you didn't start in uh, Indianapolis. You were uh, north of here, right? Yeah. So Matt and I grew up in Warsaw, Mm -hmm. uh, Indiana. We're actually neighbors. And I married Matt's sister, too. So it's pretty deep. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot about that. Oh, yeah. Um, So, yeah, Matt and I knew... uh, I moved in next door to Matt when I was in, I think, seventh or eighth grade. Uh, I think Matt's two years younger than me. So uh, we hung out a lot, you know, rode bicycles and did car audio and all that fun stuff when we were growing up. And then uh, when he was getting ready to get out of college, I was kind of ready to start my own business and uh, talked him into going in together. So here we are. Well, how, how do you then, 20 some years later, what, what was the initial transition from car audio into doing, uh, projects in homes? Because that's, that's a different animal and I, a different beast. I would say that typically you've got a client who just says, Hey, can you help me out with my home system? I got this thing that I'm trying to set up and you're doing their car, but it's not usually as easy on that side. It's typically more like the commercial to residential transitions like that. So how do, how do you make that leap into doing home projects? Well, keep in mind, Jeremy, we're talking 20 some years ago. So we started in 1999. Uh, car audio was a lot bigger then than it is now. And I would say most dealers, uh, electronics dealers did car audio and home audio. So Fair enough. Um, it was kind of an easy transition. Our showroom although it was pretty tiny when we first started and wasn't, wasn't much in there. Um, we had both home audio and car audio. Okay. And so it just, our business was stronger in the car audio than the home audio to start. And it quickly changed over the years. And then I think we stopped doing car audio in, uh, maybe 2007 or eight, somewhere in there. And, and, I, I finally put it together. You guys formed your company in 99, which was right at the edge of the millennium. So uh, I believe that must be where you got your idea for your name. You're going to be the Correct. millennium sounds. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, yep. and so then uh, where do you, when do you make the leap to, to Indianapolis? Because that's uh, quite a different market than, than Warsaw, I'm imagining for you. So in probably 2007 and 8, we had a builder that we were working with in Indianapolis and we we're actually driving from Warsaw all the way down to do work for him. And then uh, 2009, we decided it was time to open up a showroom and a permanent office in Indianapolis. So we opened up the uh, showroom on 82nd Street, which is still where we're at. So same location is where we started. That's a beautiful location, by the way. And you guys have made up updates to it. And now it's a Control 4 certified showroom, which gives you some extra fun toys to work with there. Um, and I, I've, I've been there many times. It's very centrally located and very close to where I grew up actually in Indianapolis. So, um, familiar stomping grounds for me. Um, what are some of the cool things you've added to that space recently that you feel like have kind of kept it, um, current with the newer technologies that are out there available to consumers? Um, so recently we just did Josh AI in the showroom. Um, Josh AI came in, did a training for us. Uh, we got their demo kit. And then actually while they were there, I think they were only there maybe an hour, hour and a half. We actually installed the system in the showroom while they were there, tested it out. Um, and so that's a pretty cool new product. It, it's much more user-friendly 
than the uh, other options, which is kind of cool. For voice control, obviously, um, for anyone that doesn't know what it is at this point. Our, our uh, industry audience will know, but uh, I always joke if my dad's listening, he may not know what Josh AI is um, unless I've told him. So uh, just a more, um, I guess, I'm trying to think of the word. It, 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 it's, it's regular language style um, communication. You don't have to um, be so stilted with the way you, you talk and you can give it a lot of commands in a row and it, it can understand what you're asking it to do, right? Yeah, I think the big thing for us was with Google and Alexa, people had to say the exact right phrase and then they forget and get frustrated. And with Josh AI, it's kind of, you know, it kind of understands what you're saying. And then it can also kind of um, program itself to your habits. And so it's kind of a AI, right, system. So it's always learning and uh, becoming more um, user-friendly to what your habits are. Now, um, I always talk about different trends that are going on in the industry. And um, we talk about lighting fixtures and we talk about wellness and all these big, broad terms. But the one really practical thing is, you know, COVID-related, all the people working from home and people having to connect with their office from home. Uh, you've done some stuff with a lot of commercial spaces as well and, and boardrooms. Um, even in maybe a residential setting where it's a shared space. So what sort of maybe huddle space technology or, or um, conferencing technology are you guys working with these days? Uh, so we do a lot with uh, New Line, which is an interactive uh, touchscreen panel. And so that's basically, you can get it 65 to I think 85, I think maybe 55 also. And basically that's uh, cameras, microphones, speakers, touchscreen, PC, all built into one platform. And so instead of having all those things with wires everywhere and, you know, it's kind of cumbersome to use, those pieces are really cool and nice for, you know, uh, small to mid-size conference room. And uh, you could also put those on, you know, rollers and roll them around, make them portable too, if somebody didn't have the budget to, you know, put that in each room. We're also doing a lot of direct view LED walls. Those are really awesome and cool. Yeah. Um, we just did a, uh, I think it was 28 feet long and seven or eight feet tall direct view LED wall at District Tap nice. um, on 82nd Street. So if you're ever in that area, check that out. <laughs> it turned out pretty awesome. It's huge. I definitely want to check that out. And that just goes to show that it's the right application for that technology because you would not think that a premium category like that would necessarily catch on yet in like the Midwest where things are a little maybe more conservative or slower to take. Um, and I live here so I can say that, but in a commercial space like that, that's an awesome opportunity. And it, it's so much better than some of those spaces you go into where they don't have the proper um, video panels on the wall. They're just doing, um, LEDs and the TVs, the TVs yeah. and they're, they're trying to matrix them, but they've got the borders around them. So you're watching like a sports center or something and they got a face up there and they're like in six different grids on their right. zoomed in face. So these micro LEDs, it's just so much, it's like a giant video wall. It's like a giant screen, but 
really crisp. So, um, awesome. The other thing we're able to do there was um, give them adjustment on their touch screen that they can turn the brightness up or down depending on what time of day it is. So, okay. you know, at night they can turn it down because that thing will light up the whole place. Um, so that's pretty cool that they have that adjustment and it's on the touch screen and then they can format, you know, they can make it one big screen or five or six small screens. Uh, so depending on what's going on, they have complete adjustment of that, which is handy for, you know, a restaurant environment. Absolutely. Um, it just seems like you guys, as much as you do residential, you do have a lot of either mixed use, like residential, commercial, or strictly commercial. Um, do you have like a sense of what your, what your percentages are and how much just single home residential versus like all that other stuff you might be doing? So our, our mix is probably, we're probably 60% commercial and 40% residential. Wow. And that's dollar volume. Okay. Uh, obviously I think residential, you're going to spend a little more time if you take the dollars versus commercial. Yeah. Uh, you have people are more critical of their home than an office space. So you're taking more time to decide where's this light switch going? Where's the keypad going? What color does it need to be? Whereas on a commercial space, it's maybe planned out in the beginning and not as critical. And it, it, I think a lot of people would be surprised at how competitive this area is, specifically um, North, North Indianapolis and then the suburbs of Carmel and Westfield and Fishers, um, Geist, those areas surrounding Indianapolis. There are just a lot of AV integration companies here. And um, for me, as a person that reports on this stuff, it's like perfect because I get to know a lot of people locally. Um, do you find that competitiveness ever comes up? There seems like there's always enough business to go around, but do you cross paths with your peers in the industry at all? Yeah, we do. Um, and it's obviously different commercial and residential who we're bidding against or going up against. I would say, like you said, there's enough business in this area and there's a lot of good dealers. So it's not, I think there's enough business to go around and everybody's doing for the most part, a good job. And so it's more about the relationships than it is, you know, dollars, uh, trying to get to the bottom line. And obviously we try to sell, you know, our service and then make a fair profit. Um, I always tell people we're not charging full retail and we're not selling at a cost. We're trying to make a fair profit and, pay our bills, um, support our families and give everybody a fair price, which means it's not free. <laughs> Absolutely. But, um, I think it's just, you know, we try to build relationships and I would say that's something we do a little different than some other people is we don't want to charge them an outrageous amount if we can get away with it one time and we don't want to give them something for free and then them expect it. We want to be fair with them every time and build a long-term relationship. And so sometimes that works for us and sometimes it doesn't. Uh, but our goal is just to be consistent and be fair with everybody every time. And then hopefully they call us whenever they need something. Well, as one of your clients who also happens to write about you guys, um, I have to say you guys are super fair and great to work with. I love working with Andy Bang, who's one of your uh, Tex, he, he's, um, 
very comfortable in my house. I'm comfortable having him in my house. He always knows the answer to a question. So um, appreciate all the work you guys do and great seeing you around town. And um, congratulations on the, the new uh, sim business there. I hope that goes well for you. And best of luck with the rest of the year. Thanks so much for your time today, Bill. Thanks, Jeremy. I appreciate you having me on today. Yeah, and if you don't mind, um, how if if anyone's interested in learning more about the Sims, um, I, I was going to give your website, which is MillenniumSounds.com, but uh, how how would they learn more about the Sims actually if they're a, a consumer wanting to purchase uh, or work with you on that? I would say the best um, way to get a hold of us is just call our office and set up a time to come out to Motor District and check out the Sims. I think, as you said, it's it's hard to understand exactly the experience. And so we want to get people in and, and let them try it out. It's not it's not your typical video game, right? Yeah. This is more realistic and it's kind of like a older kids, you know, experience. It's not, uh, you know, like a PlayStation. Right. Yeah. So Big- much more involved and. Big, accurate big boy toys <laughs> that's right that's right well thanks bill um bill layman is the co-owner and president of millennium sounds in indianapolis and like i said you can learn more about his company and and reach out through millenniumsounds.com and that wraps up today's show if you're new to residential tech talks please subscribe to the weekly podcast on your preferred platform and consider rating and reviewing us on apple podcasts or spotify Also, check out all the latest residential tech news at the magazine's website, restechtoday.com, where you can also subscribe to the bi-monthly print or digital magazine and to our Tuesday and Friday email newsletters. Until next time, please stay safe, stay inspired, and let us know if you have a great story to tell.